0: Episode 15 of Doc Frimento Discovers the World. Here you have me, Maurice Small, and Jordan Bober. And Maurice and I were very interested in hearing Jordan's idea about food currency, an alternative currency. He's the creator of the Dunbar Dollar, he's in Vancouver. And this is a focus on food access and alternative currency and, you know, a better way, a new model. Very intriguing stuff. I really hope you enjoy this.
1: Yeah, so 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 tell me a little bit about what you guys uh, have been have been up to. Um, sounds like you kind of had a, a late night brainstorming session a few days ago or so. And
0: go ahead, Brian. Yeah, we um, I met up with Maurice the other night, and we were just kind of talking. To, we well, as we often do, we just talk about all the issues that we see. But yeah. Maurice has the very the specific. Um, urgent need um, that he's focused on, and that has a lot to do with the community food and uh, food yep. access, and, you know, he works with the inner city, and I work with me and my three kids, so that's mm-hmm. my focus. I don't, I don't have the larger community uh, focus yet, but I'm aware of the issue.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it's, uh, the issue is similar in any case, so. Yeah, it starts, it starts at home.
0: Well, I'm, I'm on board then. But um, So <laughs> what ended up happening was Maurice kind of like uh, got me all fired up, and I just start going off like I do. And he said, well, why don't you develop a currency, a food currency, for my vendors and for the community? And I mm-hmm. thought for a minute, and I said, mm, I'm not that smart, but I do remember someone who did this. And um, I had to go in a mad scramble because it was a few months back when I had discovered yeah. your work, um, the Dunbar Dollar.
1: Yeah, you know what? Actually, I think I, I think I know how you came across the Dunbar Dollar. Uh, it was probably through Hella Delicious's uh, website.
0: You're probably because, right. Yep. Yeah,
1: yeah, because I know the, that that's what I was thinking later on when I when I realized that you had her as one of your favorite links there. She uh she's published a couple things about uh, community currency
0: yeah her site. she's out there now right in vancouver that's
1: right yeah she's she's here yeah i know her
0: <laughs> that's uh that's amazing <laughs> i know i know there's there's it's so many a things in the world
1: yeah do, do you do, do you just know her by her website or just from your website and we're just yeah?
0: in tune with the exact same you know we're on the same wavelength yeah, food fermentation raw yeah you know, raw foods, than A. Price, um, all these things, and that's, that's what I do, and I've been a huge fan of hers.
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh, it looks like Brian's back. Hello? Oh, hey, Brian.
0: Yo. Hey, man.
1: Hey. <laughs> yeah, so I was just giving Maurice the rundown on the urban food situation in Vancouver. Like, I was telling him that we've had kind of a, a little revolution starting over the last few years with a lot more people getting into urban farming and just growing food in general, like any which way, you know. Um, Proliferation of community gardens, um, we've got social enterprises growing food. So it's... uh, The other thing about Vancouver to know is that the city has this uh, action... It's called the Greenest City Action Plan. And the goal is to become the a city in the world by the year 2020. So obviously local food has a huge part in that and, and so it's it's part of city policy to uh, to support the, the expansion of, of local food as much as possible.
2: I love it. How much sun do you get there?
1: Uh, well, that, that, that is a problem sometimes. <laughs> it, the, the, the weather is so variable. I mean, I've lived here for four years and it's no no one year is like the other. During the winter months we get a lot of rain uh, but during the summer it's actually um, a decent amount of Sun but it doesn't it doesn't ever get too hot here like it's uh, even during the summer sometimes it's you know 20 degrees or like the low 20s is, is kind of typical we hardly ever get up into the high 20s and then during the winter it's kind of uh, you know, it's also variable, but stays usually around, um, you know, plus seven. Or sorry, I'm 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 talking in Celsius. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> I just realized you guys are probably thinking in Fahrenheit.
2: No, I got you. No, I got
1: you. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, I think uh, you guys are like Zone Eight, right? And we're Zone Seven,
1: I think. Is the, how that works? Oh, I I don't know about the zones. <laughs> I've never heard of it referred to it that way.
0: Yeah, there's growing zones, um, different temperates, you know, different climates. Each has their own zone, and these will usually be labeled on oh. seeds and things. It'll say, if, depending on what zone you're in, uh, yeah. how you change your yeah. growing. And I think you're eight and we're seven, but look, I'll look it up.
1: Yeah, it should be, should be whatever the Pacific Northwest is in the States. It should be the same because the climate's very similar.
0: Yeah, you're you're, you're right. quite north of us.
1: Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Like, I mean, we're still we're very close to the U.S. border, Vancouver. Like, it's only right. um,
0: it's just you know maybe
1: mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's maybe thirty miles from the, from the U.S.
2: border. So, yeah. Great, welcome back, Brian.
0: Yeah, thanks, Maurice. Yeah, well, if you don't mind me just jumping right back where I was. You know, Maurice had kind of given me the charge to develop a, a food currency, and yeah. I, I kind of laughed. And like I said, I I remembered you know the Dunbar dollar, and then you reminded me I found that at Hella D's website. But you also have this um, really cool—I don't know what this is called—prezi.
1: Yeah, that's the prezi. A, yeah,
0: it's a prezi presentation. I will have it in the show notes here that everyone should see. It's really cool. It's like a
1: thanks um, what do you call these it's a it's it's a prezi, yeah, it's just called a prezi, okay, Well, yeah.
0: anyways, it describes the whole the whole program from concept into action and how it works, and the title is community Currency for Community Food yeah, so where did this come from, and how are we doing this?
1: Well, actually, where it came from was um earlier like in in the summer. Uh, last summer I, I was talking with um, uh, some people about uh, about community currency uh, one of them was is involved with one of the business improvement associations uh, here in Vancouver the one that actually serves the the downtown East side which is like our, our inner city it's it's the poorest neighborhood actually it's considered to be the poorest neighborhood in, in Canada in all of Canada and uh, they They have some interesting uh things going on there with regard to food, like they have something I was just telling Maurice about, which is uh an urban farm called soul Foods that's on an old parking lot and they uh they employ residents of the downtown east side and they just grow a whole bunch of food on this space and so it's a social enterprise um and then they've got there's another social enterprise down there called Potluck Cafe, and so they it's a cafe, and they also do catering. Actually, catering is the main part of their business, and again, they, uh, they employ uh, residents of the downtown east side who have had other barriers to employment, and then there's uh, another, there's a retailer also that... Well, it's an old an altar that was called Save Save on Meats, and it's been there for probably over 50 years. But, uh, And it was just kind of a meat shop, you know. But the, the previous owner uh, retired, and for a while there they couldn't find anybody to take it over. But then somebody, like a businessman who also owns a couple of restaurants in Vancouver, uh, took it over and um, kind of revamped it. Uh, it. It has a retail section, it has a really cool sort of nineteen fifties inspired diner. And then he owns the whole building and it's it's like a three or four story building. So on the the second floor he's putting in a incubator kitchen. So that residents of the downtown east side that have like a a cool you know recipe idea or you know some kind of something that they could potentially develop into a food business. Have access to the kitchen. They can use it to to get started, you know, refining the recipe, making larger batches. And if it's successful, then they'll help them retail what they produce down in the retail section downstairs. That's it. And then on the top floor, yeah, I know, and, and then on the top floor too, he's putting in um, a greenhouse that will be used to grow vegetables that will be sold in the retail section, and the greenhouse is being powered by used vegetable oil coming from um, local restaurants. So there's there's some really cool things going on just in within a few blocks of each other
2: actually, and And go ahead. And that's called the Padlock Cafe. Uh,
1: No, no, the one the one I was just describing is uh, called Save on Meats.
2: Okay, Save on Meats. And the
1: the previous one, like the social enterprise that does the catering and and the cafe, is Padlock Cafe. Thank you.
0: I like that incubator kitchen idea for uh, something else that Maurice and I were talking about, because um, we, we were talking about how the um, the people who are not served, you know, there's with, with no food access, even if we could get distribution. Do mm-hmm. they know how you know? Do they know how to cook? Do they have kitchens? Do they have the time? Are they you know two working parents? Can they cook? Well, a community could cook in an incubator yeah. kitchen on one weekend, and then put away food for a week plus
1: well that's another that's another thing well yeah that's that's something that's going on here in vancouver uh too i don't know if you have like community kitchens in cleveland but we have we have some community kitchens like it's it's primarily for um for low-income people uh where and and it's kind of subsidized so you know they there's there's food there as well and they can they they cook it and there's somebody that sort of um you know, guides them in in cooking things like so. It's almost like they get cooking lessons at the same time as they all produce something together mm-hmm. and eat together. So it's yeah. There's there's things like that going on too. And bulk buying clubs um, are often associated with the community kitchens. There's there's lots and lots of initiatives here in Vancouver. So they're not just
0: playing games. But they're actually feeding some people in the inner city there.
1: It's that's not just right. Some
0: lofty. Some hippies stuff. It, they're they're actually getting this done there right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, and it's not it's not nearly sufficient because we we have we do have quite a poverty issue in Vancouver. Um, we've got a lot of rich people in Vancouver. We also have a lot of very poor people. Like people tend to come. Actually, there's this kind of westward migration when it comes to uh, especially homelessness because uh, everybody wants to go to where. To Vancouver, where it's it's warmer year round, and yeah. compared to the rest of Canada, and so we have about uh, you know two or three thousand street homeless in Vancouver, and uh, I mean there's there are a lot of different organizations that you know hand out meals, um, which is one thing. But the community kitchens are, you know, there are quite a few of them, and there are more starting all the time. But it's still Kind of small compared to the, the challenge of you know of of serving everybody.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So um, so yeah. Anyway, so I, I was uh, talking to the this guy who's um, the executive director of that business improvement association in the downtown east side, and um, and he then was talking with that about that with the president who also happens to run Potluck Cafe. She was kind of musing about you know wouldn't it be great if we could have some kind of currency that connected these these initi- these food initiatives, and he he fed that back to me, and then that got the wheels turning in my head. So um, I basically just decided I I would start working on that idea, and that uh, resulted a couple months, months later in, in the Prezi that I sent you. And you know I've just been telling people about it, presenting it to people. Uh, you know, a lot since then. Doing a lot of networking. Just have a couple an economics
0: days. Background.
1: Yeah, I have a master's in economics. Yeah, I, I graduated about uh, four years ago.
0: Yeah, so the person who proposed the currency idea was lucky he had you around because when Maurice, he only had me, <laughs> so I wasn't smart <laughs> enough to come up with this.
1: <laughs> well, you know, so sometimes, sometimes having a formal education in economics isn't a Beneficial thing. <laughs> I'm just I'm I'm just lucky enough to have uh, freed myself from the from the narrow uh, intellectual constraints of <laughs> conventional economics. So, <laughs> but people who are who are less encumbered than I am probably have even more of an advantage when it comes to that. So, <laughs> so let's take, uh,
0: let's let's go into this this idea. I mean. It's it blows my mind. It, it's 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 inspiring, and I want to see. I want to hear how it works.
1: Well, um, basically the uh, the the basic principle is you want to to integrate the different parts of the local food sector, like so the local food value chain, so that they have economic incentives to source from each other as as much as possible instead of sourcing from um, wherever it's, you know, cheapest and easiest, which which actually happens to be from abroad. Like Vancouver, for example, uh, imports about 75% of our fruits and vegetables from California. That's, uh, wow. that's, not, that's not sustainable for us, and it's not sustainable for California either, because, uh, you know, I, I've, I've heard about how California is pretty much a a giant... Pesticide-ridden intensive uh, Mm. fruit and vegetable farming operation for much of Canada and the United States. Yeah, none of
0: it. None of it stays in California. When I I lived in California, and I never ate California produce. It all came from (laughs) Mexico. So I guess that's that's
1: crazy. And 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 we get the the stuff. So you get the stuff from Mexico, and we get the stuff from California.
0: Yeah. Wow. Okay. That makes great sense. Sounds like math to me. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so that's 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 how conventional economics—that's uh, the kind of pattern that it produces. Um, so so one of the problems is that uh, local food is still—it tends to be a bit more expensive than stuff that you import from California, which is why restaurants, for example, unless unless they're trying to brand themselves as like a local produce restaurant, you know, they're they're going to source from. Um, traditional conventional sources which will be California um, same thing with retailers same thing with any other food processors so so how do you how do you um, turn that, that that economics around so that it becomes viable to source from local producers instead so there's there's a few different things that need to be done um, one of the things that you can do is create this this local food currency in which all these different sectors of the local food economy, so um, the food growers and the retailers and the restaurants and the food processors, etc., are all participants. And they basically set up uh, like a trading network uh, amongst them using this currency. So they're all they all become issuers of the currency. Um, Basically, uh, a restaurant in joint currency, it gets to create a certain amount of currency, basically out of thin air, which is backed by their um, pledge, their obligation to honor that same currency when somebody else wants to use it in their business.
0: Okay, that was one of my first questions. Then, is um, in any currency its value is only what backs it? Like ours is backed. You know, the United States is backed by the Federal Reserve. You know, in the United States,
1: government. yeah, which is backed by air,
0: <laughs> right? Which is in in reality just made up. They just yeah, print as money as they as much as they need. So it <clears throat> were at least as good as the Fed here.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, and I, I mean, um, but a you're lot
0: talking of- about local people and local businesses. So the local businesses are the issuers and guarantors. Basically, they're going to back
1: yeah it's 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 just like um let's say you have a local business that issues a gift certificate
0: mm-hmm.
1: that gift certificate is pretty much like currency issued by that business and it's backed by their their promise to honor that gift certificate when you come into the store with it sure as though it were cash so that's that's essentially what is happening they're created creating a currency so what we're proposing is you you have a whole network of these local food enterprises and they're they're collectively issuing a currency that they collectively um, agree to honor and when I talk about honoring the currency uh, it might not necessarily be so that say a restaurant would be able to accept 100% payment in that currency it might only be able to accept um, 50% for example because so it's they, some uh, certain
0: amount. They have regular federal dollar expenses like employees and taxes and things that eventually exactly. some monies have to be turned converted back into federal money to pay federal bills, right?
1: Well see here's here's something that's been going on. Um most most of the community currencies that have been popping up in the United States, um, you know, in, in Canada and, and the UK lately are these currencies that are backed by the conventional money so somebody goes into uh, an exchange station they they pay their american dollar they get a local dollar and then they they spend that at a business and then the business they can either spend that local dollar locally or they can take it back to that same exchange station <coughs> and redeem it for the original dollar now those those kinds of currencies are completely ineffectual because it doesn't change the the patterning mm-hmm. At all, like I mean that that it's the money changes form; it takes on a local mm, manifestation yeah, for time. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but then the business it just gets the original dollar back, and then it makes the same kinds of sourcing decisions as it would have made otherwise. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, so, so the model that that we're using here is uh, it's not backed by traditional currency that's sitting in a bank account, and it's it's not redeemable for that currency but it's it's backed by the pledges of the business to honor that currency either in whole or in part and you know it, obviously there will be a relationship between um, how how much of that currency they'll accept and how much they get to produce because the the main principle is you what you what you issue is what you um have to honor you know that's mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a very very simple thing it's just like just like any business issuing a gift certificate mm-hmm. so 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 think about this scenario now if uh, if you have a local restaurant that was able to produce um, a few thousand dollars of the local food currency and they know that there's um, a local farmer that will also accept that currency you know in whole or in part suddenly it might actually become more economically viable for them to source from that local farmer who will accept the local currency, rather than sourcing from, you know, Mexico in your case, or mm-hmm. right. <laughs> or or from California, because uh, even though even though the the, the, the total nominal cost, the, the nominal price that that local farmer is setting might be a bit higher still than the imported stuff your your total cash outlay is lower if you can use that currency of which you are an issuer. Okay. So that's yeah. so that's one of the things. Yeah.
0: Okay. And where's the farmers incentive to join
1: in? Well and and this one thing that I've also realized is that uh especially at, at the beginning of this, there will have to be some kind of convertibility for for the farmers. Uh Back into into cash, because they they're the ones that um, will have the least amount of inputs that they can source from from other participants in in that food network
0: yeah they're not uh, yeah they're not a, a kind of like an equal partner in the network itself they're not doing a lot of shopping and things right
1: yeah well I mean they can still they can use some of the money that they earn to go eat at local restaurants that accept money or to go to local retailers. I think the people we know
0: won't be doing that. <laughs>
1: so it's, once I know. Yeah, and I mean they're they're the source of it all. So I mean they're 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 going to be the most likely to kind of accumulate seed money that um that they that is in excess of what they can spend. Okay. At least at least in the beginning until Until this kind of spreads out and and starts going into other sectors aside from food and just makes it even more useful.
2: So So what if if the community did a 50-50 mock real CSA Mm -hmm. to support the farmers with cash and uh, monetary community currency notes?
1: I mean, that's that's totally something you can do. Like, what we're thinking we'll do is um, create something called like the seed bank, which will be like the the, the purpose of the seed bank will be to help um, monetize some of this this seed money into uh, Canadian dollars for on behalf of the urban farmers. So members of the public can come, you know, change change their Canadian dollars into seed money. Which they can then spend anywhere in the network, like at restaurants and retailers, etc. And then that money, the Canadian dollars, uh, will be used to um, convert for for the urban farmers into into Canadian dollars. And uh, you might ask, well, what's what's the incentive for for members of the public to um, to buy this this seed money? And and I think just given the the interest and the passion that there is for, for local food. I think that there will be lots of members of the public that would willingly do that kind of conversion just because they, um, they want to support local food anyways and they, and they'll see it as a way to, um, to basically put their money into the service of the local food economy.
0: Right. Yeah. Because, and Mm -hmm.
1: the, and the other, the other idea that we have is, uh, we can, um, if, if if the if the demand from the public isn't strong enough, we can actually uh, target it towards local other like businesses and corporations as kind of an alternative to you know they're buying things like carbon offsets and stuff now and they're they're a lot of corporations they, they like to do things that raise their you know social and environmental um, corporate responsibility profile. And if you think about like a carbon offset, it's it's something, it's it's just a, it's addressing a very very small portion of the problems that we have. Uh, usually, it means that you know they're going to build a factory, you know, in India somewhat differently than they would have otherwise. So it has no local ramifications. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they were to to buy some of the seed money, you know, they know that they're having an impact in terms of local community economic development, um, positive environmental, um, climate change impacts, uh, social impacts, and then they get to also use that money to source from, say, local caterers for their their, um, corporate functions. So I I don't think that we'll have a problem monetizing seed money for for the urban farmers. Mm -hmm. And... And what, what I see happening, too, is uh, uh, because, because the local food economy is kind of this very, it's a very localizable part of the economy. I mean, you can, you can do everything that has to do with food right here. Like, we don't, we don't have, I mean, we don't have, we, we import a lot of our food, but we don't have to, uh, you know, import food. We can grow food here. We can, we can sell it here, um, rest, you know, turn it into restaurant meals here. Uh, so I think that's a really it's a really good place to to start a local currency, and then as it uh, circulates around the food sector, you can start bringing in other sectors of the economy that are just as localizable. So I'm thinking things like like the arts and uh, you know health uh, health services, and um, you know eventually you can get into s- some types of local uh, manufacturing. Like for example we're gonna need well already in Vancouver there's a little bit of a a small scale kind of manufacturing sector developing uh making things like greenhouses and um and other kinds of technologies that are used in food production so if you get those people into it as well you um you create even greater utility for that money and and there are more and more things that uh urban farmers would be able to spend the money on as well without having to redeem it into cash necessarily. Um, and, and one of the other issues is that you know from all the, the research I've been doing into um, the situation with urban farming in Vancouver is that there's um, very very little investment into, into the operations so like I mean on average it's just it's a few hundred dollars that they kind of put into it. Um and meanwhile if you if you really want to get the most out of the you know the limit out of the limitations that we have, like growing food in the city, you know, small spaces and you know, short growing season um relative to California, we're gonna need to invest into more things like um greenhouses. You know, there's investment into the soil, which can take a few years before before you're really reaping all the returns. There's um, a small a small plot intensive agriculture. Um, there, there are all these things that, that, that could use investment to raise the productivity of the urban farmers that we have. Um, and I'm hoping that the seed bank can play a role too in that and kind of raising sort of a... Patient, patient capital as it's called hmm. uh, for for the for local food. And <coughs>
2: I'm sorry.
1: Oh, I, I was going to say, are if you familiar with the uh, slow money movement? Yes.
2: Sure. Yes,
1: I'm. I'm actually just uh, reading Woody Tash's book on slow money right now. It's it's amazing. Um, and it's that's exactly what I want to do here. I want to. Um, get this, this concept of slow money going in, in Vancouver where people are um, investing their money into uh, having more local, locally produced food and healthier soils and um, farmers that are earning a decent living.
2: <laughs> when you begin to formalize the seed bank, Mm -hmm. up there, I have a uh, cross-the-border request, if you so please. Oh, yeah? Yes, I would like to sit on the board of directors of that seed bank just to bring the uh... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to the seed bank and Vancouver. Simply because (laughs) I believe that what I would gain by sitting in on these conversations would be a wealth of information for an area that I don't know if you have a clue of how big our rust belt in this country America is and how much poverty we have there's there's got to be at least 3 million plus people in poverty yeah. in the rust belt and that seed bank concept is a strong one and I applaud you all for moving forward with it
1: well and you know, I've, I've been reading about things going on in the United States that I find really impressive. I mean, even just, uh, like I was telling Brian, I, I was just reading this this paper um, about plans in, in Cleveland, well, actually in all, all of Northeastern Ohio, to uh, shift towards um, up to 25% local food production um, over the next few years. And uh you know, and I know that there are lots of things going on on the grounds and in places like Detroit, for example, that that are pretty inspiring. I think I think that more and more people are um, starting to take, you know, the growing of food back into their own hands, and I think that's the single most important thing that we can do to alleviate poverty. Because you know, really, what what greater poverty is it is there than not being able to eat right? Uh, and and yeah. You know, I, I think that it would be absolutely terrific to see you guys develop um, something like this over where you are as well. I mean, this this is an idea that, that I think, um, I mean, I, I don't have all the answers yet, obviously, because it, it needs to be tried out and needs to be refined. And it's, it's probably going to uh, have to be refined depending on the particular locale that it's in, because there are different Different considerations everywhere, but um, I would I would love to stay in touch with you guys and you know share share information about what we're doing and um, you know hear your perspectives and you know your experiences if you end up going with something like this and kind of make it an, a <laughs> cross North America uh, movement towards yeah. just changing changing the way money works and changing the way finance works and changing the way food works, which are, <laughs> to me, those they go right to the very root of, of our problems, money, money and food. Right. Yeah, indeed.
0: Hmm. Yeah. My head's kind of spinning trying to get <laughs> all this together in my head. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I know. It's, it's something that, um, Definitely, you know, people are starting, people already take, they take food quite for granted, and but there's a lot of awareness arising about that, and I think money is, uh, is another thing that is just being, it's taken for granted even more than food is, and people kind of assume that uh, the way money works now is, is just the way money works in general. It always will work that way, it always has, um, and there's nothing that can be done about it. Um, but I, I don't think that, that that's the case at all. I mean, we've been treating money as though it's this uh, you know, it's this kind of scarce thing that you need to, that you need to have in order to be able to to trade with other people. And you know, in certain circumstances, money will flee from, from your community and, and you don't have enough. and so people, even when they are able to technically, you know, start taking care of themselves and each other. They don't because they just don't have the money to, um, to as that means of exchange, to, to keep track of those interactions. And what we believe here is that money is um, a unit of measure. It's, it's a scorekeeper. And that to not have enough money in a community is just like saying that uh, a group of carpenters, doesn't have enough inches to build a house <laughs> cuz they're all being used on the project on the other side of town. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it is that's a ridiculous.
0: Fiction. Yeah, it's a total fiction.
1: Yeah, it's and I mean and I think people are starting to realize just how fictitious it is uh, especially in the United States, you know, with uh, what's been going on there with, with your economy mm-hmm. and I know that mm-hmm. just in the last uh, year or two the the money supply of the United States has just about tripled. At least if you look at the Federal Reserves books. Mm-hmm. And uh Yeah, I I think I think people are, are starting to get into the mindset that they, they can entertain um you know alternatives to, to the conventional money.
0: How did you get who, how did you get going? Who did you approach first and um
1: Well actually I um Yeah I, I kinda got uh, interested in community currencies uh, while I was studying economics, and then when it came time to do my, my master's thesis, I thought, heck I'm gonna write about community currencies because uh, that will give me a good excuse to learn more about them. <laughs> so uh, so I, I, I did get very, very fascinated by community currencies then. and uh, you know then I, I, moved, I, I actually did my master's degree and well' my, and my undergrad as well in uh, Sweden. And then I moved uh, back to Canada and, and to Vancouver, and just, um, you know, it's been something that was on the back of my mind for a little while, but it wasn't until uh, about a year and a half ago that I started um, talking to people more about, you know, getting community currencies going in Vancouver. And, uh, and then I actually, uh, a guy named Michael Linton, who is kind of the, the father of the modern community currency movement in a lot of ways, like he, he started the Let system. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Lets. It's kind of a way of um, it's it's a mutual credit system. So you get a group of people, almost like a barter circle, is another way that it's often referred to. He he developed that back in um, 1982, and he lives he lives here in BC, actually, just um, on Vancouver Island, so across the water from me. Uh, and he he got in touch with me because he saw something that I had written online, and uh, basically he's become my <laughs> mentor since then. And he's been he's been really involved in uh, you know in everything that I've been doing, and, and vice versa. Uh, in fact, he's in Vancouver right now because <laughs> 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 uh, he's you know he's he's trying to help us out uh, with with our uh, seed stock project as well, which is the the local food currency. Um, so, yeah, so, so the approach just, is
0: to start with um, local businesses, farmers, community. Do you have to have a community group, like an overseeing group, that
1: um, you know to, to manage the currency? Yeah, because I know you have
0: the businesses basically um, backing
1: the currency.
0: Yeah. But do you need a, a, a community? advisory board or something like that
1: well we will we will have like a kind of a stewardship of the currency like uh actually i'm in the process of starting up a social enterprise uh together with another guy that will um that will do this basically we'll 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 roll out this currency promote it develop it um you know all of that that's that's what i'm working on right now because mm-hmm. i've basically you know i i quit my job a few months ago and and I'm just <laughs> kind of uh, 100% working Whoa. on wow community currency like I, cool. I just I think that that's that's well, something that the world how are you going to
0: keep out the aggressive corporate troublemakers isn't there a potential for abuse
1: um, well I mean we get to set the parameters in in terms of who per- participates in that currency so you know i one of one of the advantages with vancouver is we don't really have a big walmart problem here <laughs> we, actually Van- vancouver's been a, walmart. a walmart problem wow you don't have a walmart problem well okay we i'm originally from alberta uh we alberta and we have a walmart problem there yeah
0: we have one here too
1: yeah they're they're killing killing our communities I, it's, it's disgusting it's just every time i go back there there's a new walmart and and communities just look more dead than ever yeah um here in vancouver, we've been keeping them out uh they finally managed to sneak across so they're they're in one little section of vancouver um actually very close to the edge uh where they were able to get into something that was already kind of zoned um I think they had a Costco there or something like that, and they, they kind of took over the Costco. So they kind of got in through the back door. Um, and out in other part, like in the suburbs around Vancouver, so like other cities around Vancouver, they they do have more you know WalMarts and stuff like that. But but here it's actually kind of insulated from that big box uh, mentality. So I think they'll get a, they'll get more concerned when we start moving it beyond the borders of Vancouver. But uh, yeah, my I don't concern know. Like, well,
0: was that you know? We have a brand here called Cisco. They're like not the tech company. There's a, a food.
1: company. Just, yeah. Well, they they're, they're here too. Cisco was okay. one of the. Well, yeah. you know, if
0: they see some movement and they see traction, th- these companies they don't just sit around and wait to see what the competition's doing. And I would hate to see that truck pull into the inner city and say, "Hey, spend your food dollars here. It's half the price. You know, we'll double your value." When they would even have the power to do that and undercut the local farmer, in the same problem happening all over again. But you're saying we're going to get to pick who's allowed to participate, right? Well,
1: we can we can pick who's allowed to uh, to be an issuer of the money. We can't we can't really prevent mm-hmm. somebody from accepting the money. Um, okay, you know that's that's impossible. Uh, right. So 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 like you know Cisco can can pull up with a truck for sure, and they can say, hey, you know, spend your your, your local food currency with us but you know if they do it's, it's also not as much of a problem because that money is something that cannot leave the local food economy mm-hmm. I was going to um, say it's
0: going to kind of be, they could either just put it under their pillow or burn it or
1: you know? spend it back into the local or, economy
0: Yeah, or put it back into the local economy because they can't take it elsewhere
1: <laughs> exactly. they can't so put it, it
0: on their books really
1: yeah, like you know, uh, what's a, a really an interesting thing to note about Vancouver's uh, downtown east side, our inner city here. I was just uh, on Saturday we had a meeting with one of the city councilors talking about this idea, and she's really supportive of it. By the way, so so that's good. <laughs> but she was telling us that there's about four hundred million dollars every single year that gets pumped into this one particular neighborhood. <laughs> In Vancouver, you know, it doesn't have doesn't have a single <laughs> beneficial effect. You know, as far as I can see, in terms of actually getting people out of poverty, but uh, all that money just leaks out of that uh, out of the economy. It's just none of it none of it stays behind. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if we can if we can create forms of money that will actually that 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 cannot leave that community, so that you know, it actually generates some kind of uh, a real local economy where <laughs> people within the community are trading with each other. That that will be a very significant benefit for that community. And not just for food, but I mean I can go into into many other mm-hmm. niches as well, but food is the most obvious one and and the easiest to, to implement right away. What do you
0: got Maurice? What do you think?
2: I think that if you guys have more sun, I'd be there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you guys, you know, as soon as you cross the border into Canada, you just hit sort of a wall of ice. (laughs) (laughs) But
2: but, um, I am, Jordan, I am concerned and curious about your marijuana laws, and I'm wondering if all the seed banks that you have up in B.C., were challenged to match dollar for dollar uh what you're trying to do, not with the seed bank
0: uh-huh.
2: them, but your seed bank creation program, if that would be possible as far as, you know, raising extra capital to make this program work.
1: You mean get get marijuana dealers to support
2: this? I wouldn't call them dealers so much as growers. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, here, here in here in Vancouver, actually, we're probably the marijuana capital of uh, North America. So
2: yes, you are. Yes, you are.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's practically it's practically legal. Like, I mean, people people smoke marijuana more than they smoke tobacco here. Um, you know, we do have we have compassion clubs that uh, sell medical marijuana because medical marijuana is is legal. You just need a prescription from a doctor. Um. So so yeah you know it, and and there's talk all the time about completely decriminalizing marijuana. Uh, I'm not sure it's gonna ha- if it's gonna happen under our current government because it's a pretty you know fascist mm, <laughs> it, yeah. reactionary yeah. government that we yeah. have right now. I don't know if you've noticed that, mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> but yeah that's that's an interesting idea.
0: That's why Maurice is here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, wow. This is pretty cool stuff. Hey, um, Jordan, have you ever heard of um, Pedal to Pedal? No, I haven't. They're in operation in Victoria, which I know isn't exactly where you
1: are. but Oh, it's um, it's close,
0: yeah. Yeah, I think the kid's name, the guy, um, uh, Trevor, Trevor Van Van Hemmer, I think.
1: Van Hemmer? Yeah.
0: He has a program Uh called Pedal to Pedal, meaning Uh Bicycle Pedal to Pedal Like a Flower. Oh, and cool. what they do yeah. is they collect food scraps. They collect compost for a fee.
1: Yeah.
0: And they compost it, and then they give it away to the farms that need it. And it's awesome. it's an actual business, um, composting and feeding farms. And it's, uh-huh. it's an actual for-profit business. You should check it out. It's pedal dot com. That's awesome. Um, having someone like him involved would be a big bonus as well. Especially since he's an entrepreneur, yeah, and he's doing it the right way. Um, and they use bicycles, by the way. It's all done by bicycles, and they collect that's cool for like five bucks a month. A homeowner pays. They they provide you the buckets. You fill it up, yeah. And the bicycle comes and takes it away, and then they compost it, and then they give that compost away to the farms.
1: That you know what that is so super because uh, so here here in Vancouver they they implemented. Uh, compost pickup for, for detached homes. Uh, just a couple of, um, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, they did this, and but there's still anybody that lives in a, in apartments uh, doesn't have compost pickup. pick up, and and even the compost that the city does pick up, it gets trucked out. You know, way out to another kind of suburb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, so just, it's not accessible right. to the local growers. Mm-hmm. Uh, not easily yeah, they accessible. They use it for
0: themselves. That's not available to local farmers.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the local farmer could could get it if they wanted but to, but they have I mean, to drive their big diesel truck. Exactly miles.
0: They they did the same thing in Victoria um, that they're struggling with. There was, you know, he he has serious competition from major, you know, uh, waste management companies, and yet. Mm-hmm because of his niche it's powerful he he's he's kicking their butt with bicycles and the jobs it's a paying job to ride the bike it's it's a brilliant brilliant concept
1: and that's just one little
0: thing there's so many more ideas that could be involved in this you know
1: i think well we we have a a company that recently started up uh here in vancouver because we have quite a a good cycling culture too um, and this this business is called Shift, and they do uh, bicycle delivery. So so they would actually that would actually be a very natural extension for Shift because they, you know, it's it's pretty much just the the reverse of the delivery <laughs> exactly. pickup. Exactly, you know? bring
0: it in and haul it away.
1: Yeah, and and I think um, you probably noticed in in my prezi uh, too that I I kind of envision closing this loop by uh by 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 getting people to um collect food scraps locally, turn it into higher value compost, and then feed that back into the urban farms as well. So mm-hmm.
0: That's brilliant. That's exactly what they're so doing all, there. So
1: that's uh, awesome. So like, I'll have to check that out.
0: I like seeing theory put to practice, you know? Mm-hmm. There's Trevor doing his and you can see it and I know Maurice Maurice moves more compost than any human being in North America, I think.
1: <laughs> so That is so good. Wow. Yeah, there's uh there's just so much so much possibility here, you know, and I think that anything having to do with um local food is just going to be that's, that's basically the growth industry of the next few years, I think.
0: Yeah, and this takes that foo-foo edge off of it. The, you know I always tell Maurice is the, the wealthy, 40-ish, Lexus-driving, yoga-pant-wearing Whole Foods shopper. Yeah. I don't want to equate local foods with that imagery. It's bullshit, yeah. and I don't care. Those people are going to eat no matter what, hit, what comes our way or, you know, whatever. When there's an entire segment of our population that's struggling to eat at all, yeah. Um, and I noticed on some of your stats. They were saying thirty to forty percent of a, a, <clears throat> of a poor person's money goes towards food. Yeah, so literally over a third of your income is spent just to just to fuel yourself. So local food is much more important than a stupid whole food store or organic yeah. or some brand or something out of a box. It's exactly yeah. There's some real power there, and it's really inspirational to see this, and to even for me to even think about it is really—it's mm-hmm. a bit of a challenge, but it kind of stokes a fire too.
1: Yeah, and oh, uh, another thing that I forgot to mention was uh, sort of an, another component of this uh, food currency is that when when the businesses who are participating um, become issuers of the currency, we think like they at least a certain minimum amount of that currency or all of it, if they like can be donated to uh, like a nonprofit group that is um, like with a food security initiative. So those, those nonprofit groups would be able to use that money themselves to source food for their initiative from local farmers, for example, or they could sell it with to their supporters as a fundraiser for Canadian dollars, so that their supporters can then go back to you know the businesses and the retailers and farmers who are issuing the currency and spend it on them. So it's kind of um, there's there's that component to it as well. So
0: so there's a charity aspect built in there.
1: Exactly. Hmm. That's uh, like how. The, the, the Dunbar dollar, for example, that's that's working like on 100% um, sort of charitable uh, issuance. Like the, the businesses, when they issue the money, it all goes to charities of their choice. Um, so they they don't issue it and then, you know, spend it right away. It, it goes to the charities, you know, the, and then it comes back via the charities themselves or the supporters of those charities, mm-hmm. or uh, I shouldn't just say charities, any, any community group, really, as nonprofit. And then, when the businesses start earning it, then they can start um, using it at other businesses. Has anyone
0: come and documented what you're doing on film yet? Is is there anything where we Um, can see this in action?
1: uh, There's there's just one one little film that we have on our um, Dunbar Dollar site, which is just uh, it was taken by by somebody when we were at uh, a car free day last summer just telling people about the number dollar and how it would work so that's that's the only film that we have but um, actually we've been in touch with some um, some people some filmmakers actually that uh, something interesting might come out of um, do you know who Ian Bailey is? No I don't. He, he's, uh, well, he's an actor like he was in things like uh, Fight Club and a few others but he, he makes films these days and and TV shows and we recently met him um, here in Vancouver. He's he's up here uh, shooting a film, and we were all at we were at this uh, event by Charles uh, Eisenstein, who's also from the states, and, and he, he talks about community currency and the gift economy. And anyways, um, so Eon is working on this uh, this TV show called Imagine This, which uh, is supposed to be about you know, people doing, getting together to do really cool, you know, community changing things um, and documenting it. And he's getting very interested in the concept of you know, community currency as a mm-hmm. very community changing thing that people can get together and implement. So, uh, actually I think uh, Michael Linton's going to be meeting with him either today or tomorrow and, uh, you know, something something very interesting could come out of that.
0: Yeah, I would love to see that. Otherwise, I'm going to start a mm. film company and head up the, head that way. Cool.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you don't have to head out this way. You guys can do it over there too. I agree. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's an idea here and it's it can be an idea in there just as easily it's an idea as it's an idea here. All you need to do is start start talking to people about it, and you'll. It's amazing what happens when you start talking about it. Like I, I just have people contacting me all the time. Um, like I, I hardly even have to do the outreach myself anymore. It's just, just <laughs> the right people are showing up, you know. Um, make it to make it happen. And there's enough people that will get passionate enough about it that uh, you can start up a team and get it going.
2: I agree again. Yeah.
1: Like I say, I'll, I'm happy to keep you guys posted on uh, on what we're doing, and you know, I don't I don't mind people copying <laughs> these ideas because it's not about you know trying to patent yeah, yeah, something. Yeah. Is it's there about, an
0: actual? Uh, is there an actual business model or like a, a, a what, what would you call it? The, an actual manual <laughs> for for this a manual you know what I mean?
1: Um, not not yet. Uh, <laughs> there there probably will be, sometime soon. Once once we've Just got to keep it, keep
0: people from falling into, you know, pitfalls and make you know blunders yeah. and mistakes and things. Something. That yeah, I think
1: be. I think we'll definitely want to put something like that together. You know, once <laughs> once we've once we're successful and, and know least, that we've
0: yeah, at least keep care- careful notes of all the things not to do. <laughs> yeah. Save
2: other people time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. How much time do you give it until it completes the cycle?
1: Until it until what completes the cycle?
2: Your program.
1: Uh, well, I don't I don't picture it being something that just has a cycle that it completes. Like I I picture, you know, implementing it and then, you know, having it run perpetually, hopefully. So, But we're, we're hoping to get something, um, you know, up and running very quickly within the next few months. Uh, like, we have a lot of interest from that Business Improvement Association in the downtown east side to get something started, kind of a, get a pilot started there.
0: Have you managed to avoid dealing with the government so far?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, the only governmental contact that I've had was that city councilor. Mm -hmm. um, the other day and she's really supportive. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, creating the money and stuff, like the, it's completely legal to create a community currency as long as it's not confusing people with the, with the government issued money. And, uh, the Canadian revenue agency, uh, Mm recognizes community currency as well it just says that income in community currencies is just as taxable as as income in Canadian dollars and so it's as simple as that there aren't uh, there aren't really any regulatory you know issues that we need to you mm-hmm. know
0: yeah and that's going to be on a local basis for everyone it's going to be different for wherever you are so
1: that's yeah and in the, the, the states too i mean there's there's enough community currencies that you know the government has been, you know, at least tolerating them so far. I mean, there was that one guy that was creating Liberty dollars down somewhere on the east coast. There, I think, mm-hmm. uh... you know, which were silver coins, basically claiming to be U.S. dollars. Yes, well, and,
0: U.S. dollars. Yeah, that was his mistake. Don't go. Don't try to compete with the government.
1: Yeah. Now he's an economic terrorist. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. You don't want to do that. Don't. Yeah. Just avoid them at all costs. <clears throat>
1: Oh, hey, Brian. You know something cool? I just I uh, was looking here. I saw I got an email from uh, Helady. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cause I, yeah, because we were in contact, and then I, I, I let her know that I was talking to you today, and I got a thing back from her saying, yes, I know Brian Davis. I met him on Twitter. Yeah, right. She said she was worried about you because she thinks you had a car accident or something lately.
0: So. <laughs> no. <laughs> I spent a little time in the ER, but that was due to a some funky bacteria that got a hold of me. Oh, uh, deal. I'm fine.
1: Good. Yeah. Well, she. Says she good you point. should go to a cranial sacral therapist. Is what she's saying here.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what she is. So.
0: Okay. Well, like I said, I think me and Maurice are going to be making a trip out there, and I'll get some <laughs> therapy. Uh, All kinds of therapy going on over there. (laughs) All kinds of therapy, indeed, yes. (laughs) We'll be peddling compost and spending our Dunbar dollars. Wow. (laughs) Cool stuff, Jordan. Man, thank you so much for sharing.
1: Well, thank you guys. Yeah, it's it's been great connecting like this.
0: I mean, this hasn't exactly been the most, like entertaining out there conversation ever but i think we're all i mean i know for me i'm i'm kind of in stunned silence just trying to wrap my head around it i don't even know all the questions to ask yet so would Mm -hmm. you come back and rejoin us after we give it a little bit of an effort and see yeah for sure yeah that would be great let us get some motion on this and then we'll get back to you and give you a full report
1: okay that sounds great
2: Thanks so much, Jordan.
1: Hey, thank you. Nice meeting you and uh, talk to you soon. All right. You also. Cheers.
2: Bye. Bye Bye-bye.